We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game betting odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Cast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network. I am your host this evening, Nathan Powell, or as the kids say, Nate Dog. Week five is in the books. Week five is in the books, and I am I'm reunited with one Daniel Sanyo, saving me from what was arguably the worst podcast ever recorded last week. It's hard to do anything like that alone uh, unless you've got a, a full, you know, full length movie written in front of you in order for you to read it and, and go down the, and do the business that way. So, uh, yeah, some some real life things going on, uh, which unfortunately will always take precedent. I know you guys really want this podcast <laughs> to matter. Uh, unfortunately, real life uh, took took precedent. So happy to be back. Happy to. Uh, to kind of redive in, to be completely honest, I, I've I've kind of fully been away. I, I, I've caught very little action. Um, I, to be honest, some of my lineups were like auto set, and I got screwed in Scott Fishbowl because it auto set Chris Carson for me, who was already out, even though <laughs> I, I I had submitted a lineup at at one point, and then it resubmitted an auto lineup somehow with Chris Carson in it. So fun stuff. All right, that that'll that'll do it. All right, so we're gonna get into some interesting players from the week that was week five, and then we're gonna play a little rookie or the vet break down some rookies that so far this season five weeks in. How are we valuing them against their veteran counterparts? 
Now, uh, there was one man who took great offense to uh, Dan's absence uh, at last week's podcast, and he decided to have a career game uh, to show him that he has been wrong for the last, you know, 18 months or however long Dan has been on his hate train for one Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony, the 20th overall pick in the NFL draft. Uh, Kadarius Tony, the draft capital king, Kadarius Tony, the guy who's been undervalued by the fantasy community. Kadarius Tony, 10 catches, 189 yards, along with a one carry for seven yards. So he he really got involved for the first time in week four against the Saints. He got six catches for 78 yards there. And it's like, oh, we're finally, he's finally healthy. We're finally getting him involved, you know, with the mess that is the Giants offense. And Tony is showing that once he's involved, which he is now, he had six catches the week four, 10 catches this week. I'm not expecting 10 catches from Kadarius Tony every week, but Kadarius Tony is the, you know, carbon footprint of the Nathan Powell draft, the guy who is going later in fantasy than he, he did in the NFL draft, you know, chalk it up as another win for that category. Oh, well, one game isn't going to be a win, Nathan. I I quite literally saw one highlight of Kadarius Tony's 10 for 189 and zero touchdown, whatever. The one highlight catch, which I think it was like a 40-yard catch or something. What have we talked about? He's got hands like feet. He bobbled a wide open, however underthrown pass, and you shouldn't have to two-tap something that's put right into your into your bread basket. Yeah, when you're going to get targets, you're going to do it. We've we've known, we've always, I even said, he's great in space. If you can create something for him, great. Get him the ball, let him do with, you know, what God gave him, which uh, he's explosive. There's no denying that. The issue was, is the wide receiver traits and his ability to catch with a quarterback that is pretty inaccurate, you know, it's going to be one of those things. Now, this was a game that was, Pretty much garbage time from the first minute. He's going to be fed targets because Galladay's out, Shepard's out, Ingram's half dead, Darius Slayton doesn't matter. You know, they drafted him early. They're going to use him. I would expect volume, whether it's good volume or bad volume, doesn't really matter. But I'm far from considering it a W. Sure, he, he had a decent game with some yardage, but until I see him beat up on uh, you know, one of the high-end defenses or truly show that he's, you know, a big-time wide receiver and come up with big-time plays in a game that isn't a complete blowout, I'll feel differently. Now, is it possible he's Allen Robinson with Blake Bortles? Maybe. Maybe that's the move. I'll, however, I would say Allen Robinson, it fits the wide receiver mold better than whereas Tony is more your Swiss Army knife. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, especially with kind of how the NFL is now with a lot of these guys being split out, undersized, you know, multiple running backs in sets, all sorts of different stuff. So there's definitely a place for a guy like Tony in the NFL. It just doesn't fit my mold as somebody I'm targeting as a true wide receiver, because to me, he's not a true wide receiver. He's an all around just kind of, to be honest, he was a special teams player in my eyes as a returner, but. You know, that's that's just what it is. He looked okay. Uh, he, he still doesn't look great, in my opinion. Well, you know, 10 catches, uh, you know, it's like fifth career game. Pretty good for a, a special teamer, if I do say so myself. Um, just from, a, I guess, dynasty view, 
How much do you think this game changes its price, if at all? Do you think that the the naysayers like yourself aren't aren't bumping up? Do you think that – and this is probably the most likely scenario. I got an offer for Kadarius Tony, and it was in, an instant reject. Um, it was Kenny Galladay for, for Tony in a third. I'm like, why on earth would I take that? But is it just a case of the guys who have them are just going to make them more expensive? There's not, not going to be much movement on Tony? It's most likely going to be that. There's going to be the – and then they're going to be few and far in between, but there's going to be the owner that was drafting mid second. Tony got there for, you know, because everybody else felt the way I did. And they're like, well, I mean, I, I can't take Elijah Mitchell at two Oh five. So I'm just going to take Kadarius Tony. And now it's looking like a decent investment. I would maybe give it another week to see if he's going to put up another big number. Uh, you know, wait until until Shepard and those guys are all back. Uh, I would assume at that point his workload will be reduced, and maybe their plan was just to kind of bring him along slowly and and work him in. But obviously the injuries change that. So I would say that in most cases in most leagues, the guy that wanted Tony drafted Tony, and most of the folks that didn't think he was very good or didn't want any interest in the New York Giants, uh, they're probably just going to stay away. And even if the the price increases, why are they going to go now and spend more than they feel he's worth just to, to have a share? I think I think the time to buy would have been probably after week three. Uh, even after last week, we saw a little bit of a, a boost in price. And now after the Dallas game, when everything worked towards Tony having a big game, and he did produce in the role, so... Uh, I think his price is probably going to get up into, you know, he'll he'll probably be pushing more of the higher end guys that aren't named Jamar Chase in this class as far as price goes, if he has one more of those types of games, you know? Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. Now let's stay in the Northeast. You know, we don't often talk tight end, but when he, when we do, it's because they are moving and they are shaking. And the man who is doing that is the tight end for Josh Allen, Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox is quietly putting together a very good tight end season. Eight, 9.7, 14.9, 20.7, and 20.7 scored a touchdown in each of the last four games, including two touchdowns against the Texans. Now, the most promising is the, you know, the big gains, the the three catches for 117, the four catches for 49, you know, getting those those bigger plays in that Bills offense. uh, You know, the offense always seems to be getting better week after week. Um, Manuel Sanders has been a huge piece for that Buffalo offense. Dawson Knox is a guy who, I didn't think I'd be comfortable in my lineup in, in week five, week six, but now that's the case. I think he's quietly answering that tier of Mike Gusecki, Dallas Goddard, and even like among those guys, he might be the most startable today. Yeah, it's very possible, especially when you look at Buffalo, it, that team's not going to be running the football very often. Even when they're ahead, they're they're still not running the football. They're going to take the short, easy, easy throws, keep the clock moving, doing those kinds of things. That that team is run through and through by Josh Allen. Um, you know, he's, he's doing what he does best, and that's throw the football. And then he uses his legs as well. So uh, even going back to the kind of the last half of last year, maybe the the last third of the season, Knox has been pretty, pretty successful uh, when healthy. So there's no reason to believe that he isn't at the very least a high-end tight end two or a low-end tight end one 
moving forward. Obviously, Stefan Diggs is still going to be your uh, your your one A there. Emmanuel Sanders, like I I would was pumping the you know the the gas on him in during the off season as as a potential big winner here, and he's shown that this team seems to be run with Diggs, Sanders, and now and now Knox. So uh, what was you know, a, a significant number of targets going to guys like Cole Beasley, that has all kind of been transitioned to Dawson Knox. And some of the digs targets have been transitioned to Manuel Sanders. So they're spreading it out a little bit, a little bit more and and still kind of using guys in the same roles as what they're used to. An offense is built perfectly for the personnel that they have. Um, you know, a little bit more balance would be nice, but it's it's working. So uh, I do like Dawson Knox a bit more moving forward. Um, a lot of people were were on that train at the end of last year, and I was just like, I mean, that's that's kind of a a, a one trick pony in Buffalo. It's it's the Allen to Diggs connection, and that's it. Um, and he's proven now that it's going to be more than that. And and obviously, you know, the the Beasley stuff from from last year, this year, you know, whatever we're kind of all moved off of that. And I think the Buffalo bills are also even moved off of that. Let's transition to Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay. We have an interesting one here. It's not like it is not developing news that Antonio Brown is a good, good wide receiver. It's not developing news that he's going to score fantasy points. What is kind of developing news is that he has dynasty value again, like for the last, you know, 12, 18 months, he's been like, okay, he's a guy that you, you'd you like to have on your team, be able to start, but it's not like a guy you would have traded like a late first or an early second for. That wasn't really coming in, into your mind, at, you know, before this season. But now, you know, he's come off a huge 31.4 point week, but he scored at least 13 in three of his four games played, and he has two 20-plus point performances in his four games. Smaller sample size, but it looks like he's Brady's number one target in terms of like a target perspective in Tampa. I, I think that Antonio Brown is back to having legit dynasty value. A guy who, you know, if we were doing a startup today, you would consider him in the seventh, eighth round. Yes. He's, he's 33 years old, but does he look like he's slowing down? I mean, yes, he's not 28 year old Antonio Brown. That was literally wrecking the league, but he's still looking pretty damn good. I mean, at this point, I'd probably rather have him than Julio Jones. If we're, if we're going to go oh, yeah. down the, the old wide receiver route, uh, yeah, you know, Tom clearly has sold his soul because he's looking better than he has ever looked. And the volume is there. You know, the, the one game that was kind of minimal volume, high efficiency was against Atlanta a game that was well in hand early. And this, this offense, I mean, they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. Uh, they're, they're not really built to run, you know, Leonard Fournette, uh, Gio Bernard, Ronald Jones, it's not exactly the most scary backfield any defense has ever, you know, set their eyes on. So when you've got Tom Brady, you should always feel comfortable throwing the football. Brady's got four touchdowns or more in three of five games. The other two uh, were tough defensive battles. So those are going to be kind of the the ons and offs of, of A, the schedule, and B, how the Bucks play football. So, yeah, Antonio Brown most definitely has – as dynasty value. The big question here, in my opinion, is do you transition off of Brown and go try to buy Chris Godwin or Mike Evans a little bit cheaper, even though Evans is still big time producing. It seems the touchdowns are when they're happening. They're, I think it seems like they're happening two at a time. 
and Godwin's just kind of quietly being strung along. So maybe the move here is we go and buy Chris Godwin. Maybe we go see if Mike Evans is a little cheaper. If Antonio Brown keeps on his big pace, you know, these guys are all going to eat. It's just going to depend on who the defense covers better on any given game. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting point. With Godwin, the reason why he'd be cheaper is the reason why I'm not like going out screaming trying to buy him. It's because I just don't know where the targets are going to be with God. Godwin is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. But their receiving core is so good that, you know, Evans Evans really has the red zone when Gronk isn't there. Antonio Brown has the deep ball. Like, basically, Godwin is the intermediate route on third down. And how much is that role producing versus the deep threat and the red zone? Those two, those two roles are a lot more, you know, fruitful from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, and, at, you know, week one, it looked like it was, it was Godwin season. 13 targets, 9 catches, 105 and a touchdown. Uh, since then, he hasn't topped 70, 40 yards. He's only had one touchdown since week one. Um, and the target shares kind of all over the place. You know, this week he had 11 of them, but he only went seven for 70. The previous the previous three weeks, you know, he was he only had five to seven targets. So that's that's really not going to cut it for where where Chris Godwin was going in drafts. But if if that means that people are valuing him, you know, down to the five for 60 or, or seven for 80 type of wide receiver, which isn't a bad wide receiver. We just need to get some touchdowns. You might be able to find yourself a decent wide receiver two here in Chris Godwin for maybe wide receiver three or eventually wide receiver four prices. Uh, if anybody's really, you know, worried or scared of this offense trending towards the Mike Evans, Antonio Brown era, uh, and another factor in that is if Gronk's healthy, there's the rest of the red zone targets, you know, for Mike Evans. That's probably why we've been seeing Mike Evans touchdowns coming in handfuls. Uh, no Gronk the last two games. So that's, that, uh, that helps Evans as well for those red zone targets. It'll, it'll be interesting to see the balance moving forward because that's, that's three big time wide receivers and you have to keep them fed or we know how wide receivers get when they don't get targets. Let's move on to James Robinson, Jacksonville Jaguars running back. You and I were naysayers throughout the draft process saying the Jaguars would draft a running back. They drafted a running back. That running back got hurt. And th- then we kind of flipped. And you and I have talked about throughout the offseason how we thought that the, 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 the Trevor Lawrence Jaguars offense had a chance to be good. Um, turns out that was stupid. That was incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> the Trevor Lawrence offense is not good in 2021. It will be one day, but it is not in 2021. But the offense being bad has not held back James Robinson in the last three weeks. 25.4 against the Cardinals, 20.6 against the Bengals, and 21.7 against the Tennessee Titans. I think that James Robinson is an excellent win-now target because people still have, you know, Travis Etienne in the back of their minds. He... People still have the the concept of oh he's on this terrible Jaguars team so they might worry about you know his his rushing volume you know he's been getting 15 carries 18 carries 18 carries even in losing efforts uh, I might go out and try and buy some James Robinson because I think that his current price like I think that his win now price is palatable from a long term perspective most definitely it's it goes along kind of the lines of a couple of weeks ago when I said to go buy Daryl Henderson even with the potential for Cam Akers to come back. Uh, I feel like Daryl Henderson has shown he is good enough. It could produce well enough that he'll either a have a role in LA or, or he'll be a starter somewhere else. 
Um, James Robinson has proven that last year wasn't a fluke. It wasn't just volume getting him by. This team sucks out loud, like real bad. And he's kind of the one shining light. You know, DJ Chark was doing okay until the injury. LaVisca Chenault has been pretty bad. He's had one okay game. And Trevor Lawrence has been really underwhelming. I get he's a rookie. It's a young team with a lot of different moving parts. Urban Meyer's out there messing around with 12-year-olds or 20-year-olds, however old he was. <laughs> Jesus, um, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was bad. One way or another, not great. Uh, this team's in shambles. The only person not in shambles, apparently, is the only professional they have in James Robinson. So uh, I, I do think Robinson holds future value, uh, honestly. He's a great buy, win now target. You know, like like I said, with kind of the, along the lines of Daryl Henderson, um, this this it's honestly probably free money because he's not going to demand a really huge asking price. But he, I mean, he's not going to be free. Let's you know we know that. But uh, in regards to RB ones or RB twos, they're few and far in between, and and really hard to obtain. A lot of teams that are competing probably don't have James Robinson on the roster. So as a contender you might be able to get your hands on a share. All right. Before we get into rookie or the vet, I'm going to tell you guys about Roto Viz. We you, you hear us talk about it all the time on the podcast. We got the, the tools like the game splits app and the box score scout and everything we mentioned on the podcast and much, much more, way more, way more than we mentioned on the podcast. And you need it in your dynasty life. You need it in your fantasy life. So make sure to go to Rotoviz, get yourself 10% off a one-year subscription by applying the discount code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Once again, that's rotoviz.com slash podcast for further information. Listen, you need Rotoviz. I need Rotoviz. You know, llamas need Rotoviz. So get your Rotoviz on RV Radio 2021. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now it's time for Rookie, Rookie or the Vet. Rookie <laughs> or the Vet. Is that rookie the first? Is that the first Rookie or the Vet 
singing in the new place? Oh, maybe. (laughs) Milestones on here. We have to get a plaque for that or something. (laughs) The the acoustics are better in this room. (laughs) Sounded good. Uh, There we go. Rookie of the Vet in in the new uh, guest bedroom. Here we go. Rookie of the Vet. So, for our first Rookie of the Vet, we are going to the quarterback position. You may be familiar with the position, Dan. They they throw the ball to uh, running backs and wide receivers. So, Rookie of the Vet for today, it's going to be two guys who have not played well in the year that is 2021. One of them is the veteran Ryan Tannehill, who has been devoid of Julio Jones doing anything, has been devoid of A.J. Brown doing much because he's been injured. And that offense outside of Derrick Henry has been a muddled mess. So who are we pairing, pairing and pairing Ryan Tannehill with? We are pairing him with Zach Wilson who has also played very poorly. Um, In week one, he had 18 fantasy points. um, And in week four, he had 17 fantasy points. But outside of that, hasn't eclipsed the 10 fantasy points mark for Zach Wilson. That doesn't – that's not accurate. Well, that's weird. (laughs) Because there's no way. Oh, yeah, the four interception – no, the four interception game was week two. That's what it was. Okay. No, that is accurate. I, I, for some reason, I thought the four interception game was week one. <laughs> I was, my eyes were, were broken. Zach Wilson, who disappointed very much in London. In London, he did not come through against a porous Falcons defense. So whether it's the veteran who has struggled or the rookie has struggled, which one of these strugglers are you buying into for Dynasty? Uh, well, I mean, if I'm forced to pick, I'll probably pick one. If I'm not, if I don't have a gun to my head, uh, I'm I'll pass on both. Um, I, I've I'm always going to be on the Zach Wilson isn't good train. Going to the Jets doesn't help. He's got a couple of weapons in Corey Davis and Elijah Moore, but I, I just I don't see it. it. He he when he's out there, it looks like if someone smashed Baker Mayfield and Johnny Manziel together. And then put a bandana around their eyes so he couldn't see. And had no idea what was going on. That is Zach Wilson. I I don't get it. I never understood what everybody saw. I, you know, there's always potential in somebody's game. His ceiling is Baker Mayfield, which I, okay, great, a middle of the road quarterback in the NFL. Awesome, super exciting. Now Ryan Tannehill, on the other hand, uh, we saw last year he could be competent. This year has looked like he borrowed Zach Wilson's blindfold. Uh, He's been unbelievably bad, to be completely honest. And kind of a cupcake schedule aside from Arizona, we would have expected kind of a clinic to be put on. Uh, He had Seattle, Indy, the Jets, and then Jacksonville. And all of them have kind of just been stinkers. Now, we know that Tennessee is a run first, run second, run third. Run fourth, why not? Go for two with a run. That's what they do. They run with Derrick Henry. But we also saw last year that the Tennessee Titans could be at least moderately useful through the, you know, through Ryan Tannehill's arm through the air. That is not the case this year. They're, you know, all over the board, not not consistent whatsoever. AJ Brown hasn't looked right. Julio, I think we're in corpse stage at this point. Uh, there's there's an argument to be made. AJ Green has looked better. It's all over the place. To be honest, I think if I was forced to take one, I'd probably take Tannehill, um, just because the offense is more well rounded 
and it isn't the New York Jets, but I'm not excited about it. I think if it's based on trade value alone, you're taking Zach Wilson. Uh, as far as my trust goes, I would have slightly more faith in Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, you know where I'm usually lean in terms of a veteran versus a rookie, hence the, the rookie or the vet segment. But outside of a complete rebuild where I'm tearing everything down, I think I'm taking Tannehill here. I I think you're more likely to get, you know, high-end QB2, low-end QB1 numbers at some point from Tannehill once A.J. Brown is healthy, once Julio Jones is healthy, once they maybe, you know, give Derrick Henry a breather for a couple minutes. So on on the off chance that Tannehill looks more like 2020 Tannehill sometime soon, I'll take him. But, you know, with the caveat that if I'm rebuilding, super rebuilding, I'll take Zach Wilson. Next, we'll go to the running back position. We have Najee Harris versus Antonio Gibson. Najee Harris so far in 2021 has been almost exactly what we thought, except for maybe a bit, a little bit more efficient than, than we were expecting. But even that might be a stretch. Najee Harris is the RB3 on the season so far, um, you know, tallying 19, 28, 21, and 22 in his last four games after a five-point game in week one. He's got the t- he's got the touches. Does he have the skill really, or does it even matter for Najee Harris? So just by starting off, if I was saying if I was building a football team, I would much rather have Antonio Gibson today, tomorrow, and the next day. But I think I'm gonna lean because I don't run a football team. The Pittsburgh Steelers run a football team, and they are going to be giving. Uh, Najee Harris, like 400 touches per year for for the length of his rookie contract. And that is going to be a significant, uh, you know, fantasy output. So I like Gibson. I like Gibson more than Harris, but I wouldn't take Gibson over Harris because of the fact that even in the most volume I see from Gibson, I don't see it matching Harris. Well, and and for a little bit of context, Najee Harris might be RB3, but that's quite literally because he had 24 points from only receiving in week three. He had 14 catches for 102 yards because Big Ben can't throw it further than six yards. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm on the kind of the same boat as you, Nathan. I, I think if it's me, I'm taking Antonio Gibson. I think he's more versatile. Uh, I, I would say he's he's lesser between the tackles, but he's significantly better uh, outside outside in space catching the football. Not to say that Najee's necessarily bad. Antonio Gibson was the guy, was a guy that I just I loved as a pass catcher. I thought he was going to play wide receiver. Uh, I didn't rank him highly as a running back because I didn't really see that part in his game. Now he's gotten better at it. Still not necessarily. Uh, great, let's say, but he's been about as effective between the tackles as Najee Harris has been. Offenses have been kind of somewhat similar, uh, you know, thus far. Obviously, Pittsburgh has been kind of a train wreck, and Washington is probably exceeding expectations a small amount. So uh, I think I'm sticking with Antonio Gibson here, even though Najee Harris really seems like he's the bell cow type, uh, at least in the short term. I don't know if he'll survive the length of his rookie contract uh, based on the number of touches early. 
uh, I, I just don't see how someone is going to survive that. Whereas Antonio Gibson really only has to survive McKissick leaving town. Uh, that's that's kind of the one hindrance to Antonio Gibson. He's not really used the way I would like him to be used in the passing game, even though he does have a 73-yard touchdown catch this year. But you, you'd hate to give him more targets than two a game. So uh, I'm going Antonio Gibson. All right, let's move on to the wide receiver position for rookie or the vets. And for this rookie, rookie of the vets, rookie of the vets, we have Dolphins rookie wide receiver Jalen Waddle versus Denver Broncos wide receiver Cortland Sutton. What are your thoughts on this one, Dan? Well, I wasn't really huge on Waddle. Um, I thought he would be kind of a fine, a, a, a nice complimentary wide receiver. And Miami's been kind of a train wreck. I think it's kind of hard to pass judgment on Waddle at this stage because he had a, a very mediocre to bad Tua followed up by the, you know, whatever's left of Jacoby Brissett. So not necessarily uh, great for wide receivers. He doesn't have, uh, Will Fuller working across from him that we were probably hoping to have so he could be working against some some lesser cornerbacks or secondary. Um, the offense as a whole is just kind of all over the place for for Waddle. So it's hard to to make a real call on him. I think the volume will be there in the short term. I, I'm just not sure he's got wide receiver one status. And now when you talk about Corlin Sutton, we know Jerry Judy is, you know, they're they're probably both one A's in that offense. I think they're they're very very equal. But Jerry Judy's out currently, so it's tough to to make that call as well. However, I see a wide receiver one in Cortland Sutton. He he, he screams that this week. Uh, I mean, of all weeks, of course, we we are talking about Cortland Sutton in this segment, probably because of of this week with Cortland Sutton. He had 11 targets. He went seven for 120 and one. That is a wide receiver one week. He's got another one of those against Jacksonville. He went nine for 159. The other weeks, he's been very pedestrian. And, you know, to kind of go against Cortland Sutton here, Teddy Bridgewater has looked probably the best he's looked in his career. Uh, And this is all really without Jerry Judy. So uh, I would have expected Cortland Sutton. And I know he was a little bit injured. Uh, during a, a couple of those games, so he's not 100%. But I would have expected Cortland Sutton to absolutely feast, uh, also having kind of a cupcake schedule here. So I, I think I think if, you're, if your goal was to just gain roster value, it's probably Jalen Waddell. Uh, if, you're, if your goal is long-term points, to be honest, I think it's Cortland Sutton. I, I think I would take Sutton in that points battle. I think Waddell will be a, a, a secondary player for his career. Uh, at this point, he's got a tough situation, so we'll, we'll see how he comes out of it. I'm just—it's a lot to put on the line to risk for a guy you don't really know the outcome of. Yeah, I, for me, I'm also taking Sutton here because there's just so much uncertainty with Miami in their future. Is Tua the long-term quarterback? And if it is Tua, is that good or bad for Waddle? And in terms of Cortland Sutton, I think that he, in, in a weird way, has like a volatile week-to-week prospect because of how bad Teddy Bridgewater or how mediocre Teddy Bridgewater is on Teddy Bridgewater's bad weeks whether it's with Judy or not 
Sutton's not going to do anything. And on um, Brad Jordan's good weeks, Sutton is going to do what he did with seven catches for 120 to touch. So I do think that it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster for people who have Sutton, you know, hopefully I have him as like a wide receiver three or wide receiver four. But in terms of guys going to score points now and a guy who is going to, you know, put up some big games, like I, I think we're a little bit we're a little bit removed from big games from Waddle. We need a few things to happen for him him to be seeing those seven for 120 in a touch games like with any regularity. Yeah, I think that's pretty far down the road. Um, that And which, you know, it, it just kind of is what it is. I, I think, uh, obviously, you know, you mentioned Ted, Teddy Bridgewater. You wanted to say he's bad, and then you switched to mediocre. I mean, that's what, you're just getting Teddy Bridgewater. He, again, is just kind of your middle-of-the-road starter. But he's definitely been better this year. He's got a couple of big games under his belt. Uh, he's, you know, for him, over 260 yards three times is impressive. Is is one, you know, not necessarily bad game. But last week we can't count because he got knocked out with a concussion against Baltimore. Uh, but the Jets game that was, again, in hand from the first second of the game, they just focused on running the football and they didn't really need Teddy to throw. He only threw it 25 times. So the volume is going to probably be very similar to what Seattle's passing volume is, where you're never really going to go over 40 attempts unless you're playing from behind the entire game. Uh, but it's going to be moderately efficient. He, he's been accurate. His his uh, completion percentage has been like 75 or 78%, something like that all year. So uh, I, I think I think Teddy is good for the Denver Broncos in the short term. Uh, and to be honest with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, I'm not sure it necessarily matters who is at, at quarterback as long as it isn't Brock Osweiler again. And let's wrap up the show with a quick tight end rookie of the vet. We have Tommy Tremble versus Cole Komet. Uh, neither of these guys have done much uh, so far this year. Kind of expected from Tremble, but we were expecting something from Cole Komet. I know the Bears offense has been a mess with or without Justin Fields. They haven't really been able to get much going on offense, but they've still won a few games even, even besides the fact but Cole Komet topped out at nine points in week one. Hasn't done much since. Seven targets, one, four, three, four targets. So they're really not trying to get him too involved in the offense, you know, sticking with the wide receivers, I guess, or just the running backs, really. Um, and Tommy Tremble is a guy who I was picking up off waivers post-rookie drafts or, you know, during, you know, August cutdown. People are like, okay, I don't, I can't roster Tommy Tremble. And his third-round draft capital, his, his collegiate stats as a Notre Dame fighting Irish – were intriguing to me and granted he has six career targets so far six career targets through three games um all i mean through through six game or five games but all those in the last three games i am a believer especially at the tight end position that when you're scoring touchdowns with trump which trouble has two one on the ground one through the air when you're getting touchdowns early in your career that's going to breed itself into targets that you're going to see. I mean, he had four targets this week. He might have six targets the next week. So I, I think that Tremble is going to, you know, become a part of this, this Panthers offense. I know you love Sam Darnold as, as much as the, uh, you know, the world can see. And guess what? Tommy Tremble can be a very solid safety valve for him. Ian Thomas is terrible. I don't know if he's even still on the team. Um, they traded Dan Arnold because they're so confident in Tommy Tremble. So Komet hasn't shown me enough. Uh, he was second round pick, but he's old. I'm taking trouble out of Notre Dame, who I believe is also like 20 years old. Yes, he, he uh, just turned 21 in uh, June. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, you kind of alluded to the big reason why I will take Tommy Tremble here as well. Uh, even though I do hate blockhead Darnold, it doesn't really matter because the Carolina <laughs> Panthers seemingly love Tommy Tremble. Uh, like you mentioned, the third round pick. The second they moved Dan Arnold, who seemed competent at the very least, that that just showed that they had all the faith in the world in Tommy Tremble. Now, it's not like they traded Travis Kelsey, Kelsey or Zach Ertz or Antonio Gates or one of these great you know, tight ends or something like that. But they did trade their starter because they, they were able to lean on and, and trust Tommy Tremble in that role. So the playing time has only gone up. Uh, the targets, we will hope, will get there. But I think we know for a fact he's going to be on the field. He's going to be installed in these packages. And even though they have DJ Moore, uh, you know, Robbie Anderson has been non-existent, let's say. Terrace Marshall, up-and-comer. Tommy Tremble is probably going to have a role in this offense. I I don't necessarily think he's going to have tight end one status, which isn't super hard to obtain. But even to get there value-wise can be tough. I do think in the short term, though, I mean, he can he can sneak very easily into that tight end two conversation. Uh, Value-wise, he's probably already in there as far as points go. I think it's going to take a little bit to find a cons- some consistency. But like you mentioned, early touchdowns are are big for, for tight ends, something that I, I kind of look for as well. Uh, it, it usually leads to usage. If you can find the end zone, why not get you the ball a little bit more? So. Um, yeah, Tremble pretty easily for me. I was never on the Cole Komet train. I laughed at people last year when they were drafting Cole Komet over a bunch of actually talented players uh, in, in fantasy drafts, especially in like tight end premium leagues. So, uh, or two years ago, whenever he got drafted, it doesn't even matter because he's not good. Uh, yeah, Tommy Tremble, uh, one of one of few tight ends I'll speak positively about. Alrighty, that should wrap us up for this evening. Um, we'll talk to you guys next week. Once again, promo code RV Radio 2021. Uh,